Hello, welcome back. It is week 104 here on Out on That Line. I'm Jeff with my co-host, Alex, as always. Alex, how you doing this week, buddy? We're back. That is such great news to hear that we are back. I'm sure that y'all are excited. We have a big album to talk about this week, but we also have, there, there's been quite a bit that's happened in the last, uh, I don't know, probably three weeks or so since we recorded. So we're going to get to the album. I'm going to give you a spoiler. It's SZA. And I think we're both going to have a lot to say about it. So it's going to be exciting. But the thing I want to get to first is this Rolling Stone top 200 singers of all time list that they just released. And did you were you able to take a look at this? Uh, Jeff, I was not only able to take a look at this, but uh, all 200, all 200 entrants were read to me in painstaking detail by an individual <laughs> who shall remain nameless. Well, we won't. Uh, yeah, we definitely shouldn't say Tanner's name on on the podcast. We are not going to blow that. up Tanner's spot. No, we would never do that. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I saw was an omission, and I and I have to say I agree with people being upset about this one is Celine Dion. Like I don't understand how you do a a top two hundred singers of all time list, no matter what sort of criteria you want to use. I don't know how you don't have one of the greatest singers in the world on your list no it does not make sense and furthermore like i get that we're kind of biased as meatloaf homers but objectively the guy has once in a generation pipes you leave Mm -hmm. you don't have to like the music but you gotta put the guy on the list if we're talking about the best singers Mm -hmm. what's the criteria technique Uh, how unique it is the sound did tom Mm -hmm. fucking waits make the list i don't remember it's all a blur I would not be surprised if he did, but they, I guess the criteria for this one was less about like vocal ability, you know, because when you think of vocal ability, you think of people like Celine Dion, like Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston, folks like that, that have that crazy multi-octave range that just like is rare for anybody to be able to do. And then they also have that perfect pitch to go with it, where it's like they can just sing whatever, whenever at any time and sound like the greatest singer in the world while they do it. To leave Celine in, so I guess the criteria for this was more about like how kind of cool was it, how innovative was it, how unique was it. I think it was less about straight vocal talent, your less about your range and and that sort of thing, but more about like records sold, the feeling of it. So all of it was totally, totally objective, like or totally subjective. I apologize. So totally subjective because like when you vote by those categories, it's going to be voted on based on how you feel. So if you never liked Celine Dion, you'd be like, I don't think she's that great according to my criteria, but how do you possibly leave Celine Dion off of that? I mean, like, let's be real here, whether you like her or not, like such a unique voice. We don't, we'll get into meatloaf, but such a unique voice for Celine Dion to like leave that off the list totally is absolutely wild to me. Well, it's because these lists are compiled by douchebags. Like let's <laughs> that's the fair. Let's call it fair. what it is. Like yeah, none of their write-ups are ever like, "Oh man, I lost my virginity to Bruce Springsteen and I'll always remember that guy. like every time I hear a Bruce Springsteen song, mm-hmm. I spring a chubby." And that's why to me he's got one of the greatest voices. Screen door slam and I was Taken mm-hmm. off someone's pants. It was a magical summer. It was like nothing real and honest like that. It's all these like would-be luminaries. Mm-hmm. 
and I get it. We're sitting here. We're the embodiment of they don't build statues for critics. <laughs> yeah. It's all these like would be like music criticism luminaries that are like, ah, yes, the dulcet tones of Bob fucking Dylan, who was number six <laughs> on the list of the greatest singers of all time. Yeah. I can crack my knuckles with more feeling. <laughs> I've heard cats fuck with more harmony. <laughs> Then Bob goddamn Dylan. I'm fired, Jeff. I told you before we started tonight. I'm having a I'm having a bad night. And this is just this is just taking me over the top. We're starting the year off. We're a little <laughs> lemon pepper wet here. We're we're spicy. I mean, bad for your mental health, but good for the pod. You know, it's oh. it's really it's kind of a zero sum game for you. If you're in it's good mood, pods. it's less exciting on here. Uh but it's just to leave also well putting Bob Dylan at six. Like I don't know what criteria. If it if it was best songwriters list, sure, put him up there. Fine, you know. I I like I think you I think you're just fine doing it. But best singers, the guy was like everybody. Whatever you ever heard about Bob Dylan, the only criticism really ever was, well, his voice kind of sucks, but his lyrics are great. Like that's how everybody explains Bob Dylan. When you're like, if you have the the person that you show it to somebody for the first time, like their first ever Bob Dylan song, what are you gonna tell them? Yeah, well, his voice is kind of shitty, but he's got a lot to say. That's it. It does. It does not make sense. The guy is a poet, and I even feel like an asshole saying that. But it's the only thing that fits within. The, like most mm -hmm. folk singers were just poets with a political message they were trying to get across. It didn't matter if they could sing, because the message is the thing. But to sit there and go, Bob goddamn Dylan is an institution, ergo, we need to give him number six on the greatest singers of all time. You can go straight to hell, sir. You yeah. can go straight to hell. And to not have, and now we can get to the real, the real meat of the matter here. And that is that they left meatloaf off. Like you can, okay. So leave Celine Dion off. Like she made boring pop music. I guess if that's the, what you want to use as an excuse, fine. But if this list is supposed to be who's unique, like who kind of changed the game, like who did something other people weren't doing and you leave meatloaf off a top. And it, okay. If you have a top 25 list and meatloaf doesn't crack that, like, okay, fine. Like for me, that. certainly does. Top 200, you're telling me there's 200 singers that you thought were better, better than Meatloaf. Like, Bad Out of Hell is still one of the best-selling albums of all time. Like, ever, ever. Like, there's no, like, you go down the list, I think it's still in, what, the top 15 or something like that, and it came out 40-something years ago. I mean, it is unbelievable the influence that he had and to get left off this list like he did. Wild. It's criminal. But the thing is, this list is just a flex for nerds. Yes. Like, Meatloaf and Celine Dion get left off the list. Alicia Keys comes in at, like, 170 <laughs> because it's like that skit. Did I ever get you to watch I Think You Should Leave? Uh, yes. Well, I watched some on on, uh, on my own. Like, you did, oh. not, you did not make me. I went and I chose oh. to do it. So don't act like you can tell me what to do and I'm just going to do it. Okay. Oh, no. I just turned into the thing I hate the most. It's like, <laughs> uh, actually, I don't know if you've heard. But the skit where um, uh, uh, Tim Heidecker from Tim and Eric is playing the, like, jazz snob. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, this is Tiny Boop Squig Shorterly. He was a frequent guest on the Colgate <laughs> Comedy Hour. He could. He had the freak lips. He could hit the high C all night long. Paul Buffano. Mm -hmm. 
That is the kind of person that made the list over Meatloaf and Celine Dion because it's a flex. Mm -hmm. It's not about an objective, like, um, um, curation of the greatest voices. I will say it's hard to argue with the top ten. I think they did pretty well at the top ten. Mm-hmm. Um, but hurt white people are like, how come all the top ten are black people? And it's like, <laughs> well, come on, you know, <laughs> come on, come on, what are you doing? But uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it is it is a stupid list, mm-hmm. and I cannot, in good conscience, sanction it. No, and I think that's the general consensus is whether I feel like. Nobody was happy with that list. I feel like there were very few people that were like, yeah, Rolling Stone, you fucking nailed it, guys. I feel like that was almost zero of the response. It was all the, it was varying degrees of what the fuck did you just do? Unbelievable. Yeah. I, I'm so fucking over it. Rolling Stone is canceled. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I used to love Rolling Stone, man. I used yeah, to get too. that magazine, that big ass magazine. They used to also, it was almost the same size as the ESPN magazine. It was just huge. And they'd have oh. such great articles in there too. I mean, it was it was fantastic to get that every single month. And then, goddamn, did it go downhill since then? Yeah, ever since they put Zokar Darnayev or whatever his name is on the fucking cover. Yeah, like bad. he was Jim Goddamn Morrison. Yeah, bad, bad move, bad plan. That, yeah, yeah, but good. I mean, again, the same kind of people were working at Rolling Stone back then as are now. And they definitely, their favorite place to be is just directly up their own asses, I think. Yep. And yeah. they should stay there. <laughs> they should. Yeah, it's, it's nice and cozy in there, guys. You can hang out there. Just don't release any more lists, please. Leave it to yeah. Pitchfork. Let let them have their shine, and then they'll eventually piss us off like you do. I'm sure that's coming soon. But just take, just give it a break. Give it a rest. You know, maybe come go. back to it in a few years. Just yeah. stop for now. Just give it up. We're done. Yeah, we're done. Well, what do you say we get into the first album that we're going to talk about here on the podcast in 2023? Let's do it. Let's Scissor do me. it. Oh, how... <laughs> Caught me off guard. <laughs> Scissor me, daddy. <laughs> so we're going to talk about SZA and her album, SOS. And first of all, I got to say, she's very efficient with her album titles and her name like because wasn't the first album control but wasn't it like no vowels yeah it was like the uh like you'd see it on a keyboard yeah i mean just i have to commend her for that because if you're compiling lists of albums like she's taken up almost no space there so that's first of all underrated part of the whole experience but second of all this was a long album and when i saw that i was like "Mm, i don't know if I'm going to be able to deal with it, it's like an hour and eight minutes or something in like first world world problems, obviously people, you know, first world problems. But I was a little wary. I was like, is this going to feel like it's dragging on too long? And I have to say that at no point did I feel like that album was dragging there. It was just like so varied. And I, and I feel like it was very narrative driven in a lot of ways. Um, one, a SZA is an elite shit talker absolutely top tier elite one of those people we say like megan the stallion like you don't want her mad at you because there's probably things you don't know about yourself that she's going to find out and totally ruin your life with you know it's just like there was so much variation on the album it was like the best parts of r&b there was even some pop punk on there it was a completely wild experience like kind of back to front towards the tail end i think slowed down a little bit for me but overall it didn't really drag it down whatsoever it was 
epic in scale, which I appreciated. Like mm -hmm. I saw the one hour and eight minute running time and I said, thank Christ, because it's been five years since Control. And mm -hmm. I remember hearing that album and there's a song on it called Hit Different. And I was mm -hmm. like, boy, does it. Boy, <laughs> does this album. And I was just like waiting and waiting and waiting patiently. And then that like one to two year window passes, you don't get mm -hmm. anything. And I'm like, oh no, is this another no name situation where she's just decided to stop making music because it's all been co-opted. Mm -hmm. But then I, you read into it and I can appreciate this because as a Brian Wilson fan, as a Steely Dan fan, SZA mm -hmm. is a studio perfectionist. The label literally had to drag her kicking and screaming out of the booth and pry control out of her cold hands mm -hmm. to get it out for its release date because she was tinkering with it up until the end. Like Kanye levels of it without the megalomania. Mm -hmm. She's just like such a craftswoman and her process is so crazy too. And we'll get into that. Um, but having waited for five years for this, it was well worth the wait. And I was really happy she paid it off mm -hmm. with a super epic album. Yeah. And this, to be honest with you, the, so the, first of all, the cover kind of gave me um, a sailor's guide to earth by Sturgill vibes, just the look of the cover of it. And then the, and I think also looking at that while listening to the first song, and it's got this slow kind of intro that's not really musical. It's just like kind of noises to start with. And then it just starts to build into it. And at that point, I realized I was like, this is going to be, this isn't an hour and eight minutes of a bunch of singles. And I kind of got that vibe immediately by just how that first song SOS was structured is I kind of realized like she's going to be doing something different here. So I immediately kind of switched in my head and it it made a lot more sense to me why this album was going to be so long and just kind of settled in for the journey. Um, it didn't like, and like I said, at no point did I feel like it was dragging, you know, and, and sometimes an album of this length, even if it's a great album, there's an hour and eight minutes. There's a lot of space in there to maybe have a dud or two, you know, like there, you got some room to do that. And this is how many songs on this? It was 23 tracks on this album. So, also, I knew that none of them were going to be that long, so I needed to kind of pay attention because it was clearly going to be trying to move a story along, a narrative, and maybe there wasn't like one straight linear thread all the way through it, but again, we always talk about these albums that could be like concept albums, but not necessarily like a straight linear narrative storyline, but more about an emotional journey, using these kind of real life experiences and real life stories to tell that experience um and i think this album does a really really good job of doing that where i didn't feel like at any point i was kind of having to be locked into paying attention to one storyline it was more about going on a journey and sonically it was so interesting throughout this whole album and i think that comes from her being a studio perfectionist like you're saying um, i think that adds a ton to the experience and i think that attention to detail is absolutely necessary when you have an album of this length, like you have to keep the listener engaged. And I tell you, listen to it with headphones because there's so many things going on that even on a really great speaker system, like in your house, you may not catch some of that stuff, you know, like it may not get some of those high ends like she's able to get like you could hear through the headphones. And I think this album deserves at least listening to it on the best quality sound equipment that you have access to, um, whether that's your car, your headphones, whatever it might be. I suggest you listen to it on that so that you can hear 
how much went into this because it's apparent with every single song the level of detail and kind of painstaking effort taken to make this it was a very like cohesive emotionally thematic album which drove which really drove the production choices because it wasn't a concept album it was a lot like phoebe bridger's punisher mm-hmm. which is appropriate because phoebe bridger's guests on a track here um and exchanges a lot of flavor with SZA. and that's one of the cool things about it is the the emotions are dictating the genre and the production mm-hmm. and it's just kind of cool to see her genre hop because much like Tyler Childers or Sturgill Simpson being like, don't chalk me up to one thing. This is the same way. Mm-hmm. She's got all kinds of influences that even transcend music. She has this quote where it's like her favorite figure skater, her favorite director, mm-hmm. which is Spike Lee can influence her as much as her favorite musician. So there was this like real sense of, of like breadth and depth of, of we can get like, quiet storm pop kind of shades of country things that sound like they're 90s driven things that sound incredibly modern that kind of Mm -hmm. that like trap beat and stuff like that she throws it all at the wall and it is not you know me i like sloppy i like Mm -hmm. messy but this is fucking finely tuned Mm -hmm. and it hums the entire way for me not an ounce of fat on it despite the fact that it was an hour long (laughs) yeah and that's i mean that in itself i think right there and whether however you feel about you know the the style of music and and I think pretty much everybody could find something they like on this album. There's so much different stuff going on, um, but like the fact that you have to appreciate that level of just talent. I mean, because even like it's one thing to come up with the melodies, to come up with all that, but also to be able to get that translated, recorded, and then put together and put out into a package like this is a crazy amount of effort and all of those things require talent. So the fact that she's, you know, worked on herself so much that she could do all this stuff is in itself a reason for accolades on this album. It's like the Dr. Dre level of kind of just studio attention, you know, and it's not necessarily, I think she's not necessarily concerned about it being her. You know, I think it's more about like, I want to produce this work and, it's my name attached to it, but it's like the work is the more important thing. You know, it's not that she's necessarily concerned about being a star. It's more about the fact that she's like, I'm just going to make the absolute best thing that I possibly can every time that I come out with something. Well, and it's the kind of confidence that comes with knowing your shit. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? She is very much like Frank Zappa. We'll get him in. Um, in the sense that she's very conscious of her own talent and doesn't need to prove it. She just kind of naturally makes mm-hmm. earworms. Like Kill Bill. I just killed my ex. <laughs> Not a good idea. Uh, it's I'd, I'd rather go to jail than be alone. I'd rather go to hell than be alone. It's so simple. Yeah. But it's, it's all the like dressing she puts on it because it's fucking weird and it's quirky but it's not like black midi frank zappa Mm -hmm. weird to the point of being like inaccessible this is like a very like this has something truly for everyone and it's the she clearly has the confidence in her talent Mm -hmm. without having to point it out to you she's just her writing process is these 
thoughts and emotions come to her. She just gets them out and then she chips away at them. And that's evident because mm -hmm. there's not, she's not in her own head trying to manufacture something that sounds deep. She's just making whatever comes naturally. And it's like, ah, uh, it's like a nice pharmaceutical in a warm bath. <laughs> yeah, just, but yeah, I'll tell nice. you, a uh, real breath of fresh air when <laughs> first time I heard I might kill my ex, not the best idea. His new girlfriend's <laughs> next. How'd I get here? There nothing more soothing than that. It's fucking I'll great. I'll tell you, completely unhinged. I loved it. I loved it. That's like that's like some coheed stuff. Yeah, and then you get yeah. something like Gone Girl, which is this kind of like psychological revenge ballad literally inspired by the movie mm -hmm. gone girl but it's got this like sweeping emotional tenderness to it so there's like that tongue-in-cheek aspect of not to not to spoil gone girl for anyone but like <laughs> a movie about a complete psycho chicken who like slits a dude's throat she slit neil patrick harris's throat mm -hmm. while she was boning him and you take that as inspiration for a song and it's not wacky it's it's Almost for her, like she knows what the genesis of it was, but then the song you're getting is not just like, oh, I made a song about the weird fucking Gillian Flynn movie. <laughs> yeah. The one where Ben Affleck hangs dong. Isn't that funny and clever? <laughs> it, she's just allowing it like it's it gave birth to its own idea and she just lets it be mm -hmm. that. And again, just like the music of it is so big and lush and epic and scale and perfectly constructed. Like... This is, we often talk about a perfect album, or I know at least like Tanner and mm. I have talked about like, what is a perfect album? I'm going to go ahead and say right off the top of this year, this is, I mean, it came out last year, but for the show, this is a perfect album to me. Mm -hmm. I can find literally no fault with it. I was, was going to ask, is this, is this a possible album of the year kind of contender for you? Because I think since we're doing it this year, it can count towards this year's awards. I guess that or like, fuck, I don't know, man. I might sneak it in as like Lifetime Achievement Award honorary best of the year. I'm not okay. going to like th throw Mitski off because I spent a year on a ride with Mitski. But I mean, fuck, if we are counting it, then this is the one to beat for the entire <laughs> well, I guess rest of the year. It would have been no matter what, since there aren't any others yet. It's very fair. Right now... It's also your least favorite. So it might be your favorite right now, but it's also your least favorite. And it occupies a lot of space. Yeah. Much like the work of the album itself, it contains multitudes. <laughs> well, I wanted to point out a couple of songs in particular that when I heard them, my ears perked right up. And the first one of which was Seek and Destroy. I was like, that was when I was like, dang, she is elite elite like it's just incredible the level of shit talking that she can do and there's some artists that i'm like i'm so glad that i am a nobody and that they're not gonna ever talk shit to me because i don't think i can handle it i don't yeah. think i could under i don't think i could wrap my head around how they could be so clever about ruining my life and i certainly wouldn't be able to be clever enough to have a comeback to that like what am i gonna say you know and, and it's just incredible to hear her go from that and then eventually to a song like F2F, which is just like the most shiny pop punk. It's like SZA doing always, you know, it's just like for me, such a cool song and so unexpected because you went from the song. What was the one called with Phoebe Bridgers? 
uh, Ghost, of the, Ghost of the Machine, like very like indie girl sort of song. And then you go into F2F and I was like, just curveball because I thought this was going to be straight R&B type of stuff all the way through. And then it all of a sudden wasn't. And she just started bouncing off the walls, doing whatever she wanted. And from from that point on, I was like, this that's when I knew this album went from good to great for me. Yeah, it went from six to midnight, as they say. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the things in like Ghost in the Machine. Like I said, there was like a talent and style exchange because you had SZA kind of going in an indie sad girl direction without going full indie mm-hmm. sad girl. And then you had Phoebe Bridgers kind of borrowing a more straightforward acerbic tone mm-hmm. where she quotes Big Lebowski. You're not wrong. You're just an <laughs> asshole. Love it. Love it. Um, it's amazing. And there, there were just like so many. You talk about like the revenge song. There was this bite-sized one, Smoking on My Ex Pack, mm-hmm. which was just slaughtering what is alleged <laughs> to be Drake. In which case, I like it even more yes. because fuck Drake. He deserves it. He deserves as, every bit of it. As Nicki Minaj says, I never fucked Wayne. I never fucked Drake. Fuck Drake. Um, but like, yeah, there were some really good ones like uh, Notice Me. I love Notice mm-hmm. Me. Nobody Gets Me. I mean, there's just so many great songs on the album we could do another like two-parter just sitting and picking yes. the whole thing apart yes that to me that is i think i think the one down the only real down spot i can pick out here is the one that she does with travis scott i wish he was not involved in in really anything moving forward because he just i think he's just a problem you know i think in general his response to the that many people you know dying at his concert i I don't think it was a a good person's response yeah probably not and like if your issue with his inclusion is his inclusion can't fault you on that Mm -hmm. but in terms of like the way that it sounded and the way that it was pulled off again it's great it's a perfect it was i mean it was fantastic like i'm not saying it didn't sound good but i really wish i didn't have to sit here and say that travis scott's song was good i know i know (laughs) I know. It'd be like if the baby was on it, you'd be like, "Oh God, they're crushing it." Yeah, that's. I, uh, hopefully, she's smarter than that. Yeah, I hope. Well. I'm glad. I mean, like, think about her getting Phoebe Bridgers on there. Like, that's that's not something that normally would have happened. Like, you had Run DMC and Aerosmith, obviously doing stuff back in the day, but like the premiere indie sad girl with the basically, I think probably the premiere R and B sad girl. I mean, who'd have thought that would be such a dynamic combination? Yeah, I mean, like, definitely the deepest sad girl. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, Megan the Stallion, very angry, very direct. And not to chalk it all up to anger, but there was a lot of, like, in Traumazine, there was a lot of hurt. Mm-hmm. And there was there was a lot of frustration and anger that came out. And, again, it's very direct. It's like, fuck you, motherfucker. <laughs> and Sis is going to be, like, a little more philosophical about mm-hmm. it and kind of explore those feelings more without it turning into a lot of navel-gazing. Um, and and Ghost of the Machine with Phoebe Bridgers, a great example of that, because mm-hmm. like the Aerosmith Run DMC thing you're talking about was a gimmick. It was so gimmicky. Mm-hmm. Not that it's bad, but it was gimmicky. And Ghost in the Machine didn't feel like, oh, peanut butter and chocolate are finally together. <laughs> you know? it's uh, It just... It worked because mm-hmm. this is a craftsman. Yes. And I think that's, I think really what this album hopefully showed 
more than Control did is that Sizzle's a lot more than an R&B artist. I think she got, and I certainly had kind of put her in that box because I didn't really know any better. Um, and what I had been familiar with with her was mostly her more like R&B and hip hop output. And listening to SOS all the way through made me realize that there's a lot more in that, in that she's more than just those categories. Um, I think the fact that F2F was like, it could have been on the Olivia Rodrigo sour album. I mean, it was just like that good of a just super sugary pop punk song. Um, I just, I really do think she strikes the best balance that I've heard on an album of having that like indie level songwriting kind of craftsmanship to go along with that like elite level hip hop R&B production and and kind of mixing those two versions of the songwriting as well. Um, I don't know if I've heard anything like this before that, that kind of mixes those things that well, I'm sure there's other artists that have taken a stab at this, but I can't imagine it's really any better than, than what she did here. Yeah. And again, it's not off the wall, but it's interesting. Mm -hmm. It's daring. And I don't think she was afraid to fall on her face and she didn't. So again, that, confidence to take chances and to experiment with it totally paid off this is a must own for me my little hipster rabbit ass is going to go get this on vinyl um it is an enthusiastic stream it to start the year off yeah and i I mean it stream it for sure i mean that's that i i think i was probably what eight songs into this one and i was like yeah this is going to be a stream it for sure you know, not realizing how much more excited I was going to get when I got like halfway through the album. So that to me is, is also a mark of a phenomenal album is if it, if, if I'm still excited to hear the end of the album, by the time the end of the album comes around, like you've done very well. Now, a lot of artists will fall kind of flat on their face. And I think the weakest part of this album, if you can call it that is the last kind of several like handful of songs but I wouldn't even really, I think because everything else was so exciting, those are a little bit less so by comparison. But when you're comparing to as good as the rest of the album is, like those still land in a pretty good kind of level on the scale. So absolutely 100% stream it. If you like hip hop, if you like indie, if you like R&B, if you like just hearing good songwriting, go ahead and listen to this album. It's fantastic. Absolutely do it. Yes. Well, Alex, do you want to do a little housekeeping here? Let the folks know kind of what we've got going on. Clearly, folks, we're we're on video now. We're doing video podcasts. So these are going to be happening every week, just like the audio podcast where you can still get those audio versions. You can get that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. If you're listening to one right now, if you're listening to this one, wherever you're getting that, you can still get it. But you should at least head over to the YouTube. Make sure you hit that subscribe button because we're getting quite a few followers, which helps us out because it lets us know more what you guys want to hear. The more input we get, the better we can make this whole thing. So you let us know the sorts of things that you're looking forward to this year. If there's an album that's already out that we missed towards the end of last year, let us know. Um, Other than that, Alex, do you have anything for the people? Well, to your point, Jeff, we've accrued a running list. People have gotten a lot better about like, well, why didn't you do this last year? Mm -hmm. And not just friends of the show, but acquaintances of the show. Mm -hmm. And even some people who are strangers, I'll just put it that way, um, 
we've had a lot of requests to go back and get some stuff we didn't get last year. So we'll probably do that while we wait for the album cycle to mm-hmm. pick up in 2023. We're going to keep cranking out reaction videos. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to come up with some more fun new content, stuff we can't talk about yet. It's going to, we've got a lot of exciting stuff coming down the pipeline, heading straight up your poop chute. <laughs> another. Another Frank Zappa reference. Another one. We're going to ram it right up there with vigor and and (laughs) gusto. And you can be a part of that if you just make it your beeswax to go on YouTube. YouTube.com forward slash C forward slash out on that line. It is not to be missed. Folks, get in there. Get in there. Subscribe down below. And until next time.